Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Lab Rats. Today we are going to discuss muscle tissue and briefly go over the differences between skeletal, smooth, and cardiac muscle in that order. So let's get started with just the commonalities of muscle in general. We all know what these are um, in terms of skeletal muscle. The muscles where you say, I want to reach my arm out, and those muscles contract and move your arm. Um, So there are two other types of muscles, though, smooth and cardiac, and all three types are contractile tissue, so they get longer or shorter depending on um, input from motor neurons, and um, they're all conductive, meaning that they use action potentials, much like that found in neural tissue in order to achieve that contraction. So in the case of of skeletal muscle, these cells are really long and thin. Um, In fact, they're called muscle fibers. So when you hear muscle fiber, don't get confused. We're still just talking about one muscle cell. Um, So they're long and thin, and they're so long, in fact, that one nucleus really just can't get the job done. So each skeletal muscle cell has hundreds of different nucleuses. In other words, they are multinucleate. Um, Another interesting characteristic of skeletal muscle cells is that they cannot, in fact, regenerate, um, meaning that they don't divide. However, there is a type of cell that formed in the mesenchyme um, in embryonic development and persists throughout life in adult muscle tissues, Um, skeletal muscle tissues, that is, and that's a myosatellite cell, a.k.a. satellite cell. Um, And these these cells can allow some limited regeneration in skeletal muscle. So if you're at home with your ankle on ice up in the air or something, don't, don't completely despair because those cells can be replaced, although they do not regenerate by division. Now, the third big thing with skeletal muscle is that they're striated, meaning that actin and myosin filaments form together to create a pattern of bands across the cell. And this is really distinct. Um, striated versus non-striated, don't worry. When you look at the microscope, you will be able to tell which one you're looking at. Um, and these these striated multinucleate non-divisible yet replaceable long thin cells are surrounded by areolar connective tissue and this tissue forms a sheath around the um the muscle as a whole not just the cells um although we'll get into that a little bit later but it forms a sheath that at the end tapers away into um aponeuroses and tendons so um It's all kind of continuous. They aren't, you can't really say this is where uh, the the areolar um, connective tissue sheath begins and this is right where the tendon ends. So um, when the muscle contracts, since it's continuous with this structure, that exerts force on whatever it's attached to. So if it's attached to a bone, then the muscle exerts that force which is conducted to the bone and causes movement. So that's how we achieve voluntary movement. 
How we achieve involuntary movement, however, deals more with smooth muscle. And these are muscles, much like skeletal muscles, they contract, they move things, they exert forces. However, we don't think about it when they do this. These are the muscles that control your digestive system, your respiratory system, um, line hollow organs such as the urinary bladder. They also are found in the walls of blood vessels. Um, and perhaps most interestingly, they're found in the erector pili muscle, which is the muscle that's attached to each hair follicle. And when you get goosebumps, you get scared or you get cold, the erector pili muscle is the one that contracts, causing that hair to stand up and for you to get goosebumps. So that's all smooth muscle. And all of these muscles, these smooth muscles, have a few common characteristics. One is that they're mononucleate. Unlike their skeletal muscle friends, you will only see one nucleus per cell. And smooth muscle cells do in fact divide and regenerate, unlike skeletal and cardiac muscle, which cannot. Um, and then they are non-striated, meaning those actin, myosin filaments are arranged. They're still used, but they're arranged in a different way. So they don't create that distinctive pattern of stripes that you would see on a skeletal or cardiac muscle slide. And finally, just like skeletal muscles, smooth muscles don't branch. They're just one contiguous cylinder that stretches from end to end without any deviation. So that's skeletal muscle, the ones you, you say I want to move and they move. Smooth muscle, the ones that you don't think about and they still move. And finally, we have cardiac muscle. You don't think about this one, and it still moves, but it is distinct from smooth muscle in a couple of ways. Number one, as the name may have led you to believe, it is only found in the heart. And there is only one centralized nucleus per cell. So when you're looking at a slide in lab and you're trying to figure out if it's a skeletal muscle cell or a cardiac muscle cell, um, go ahead and try and count up the nucleuses and you might have to look around and find a cell that you can see clearly and get an accurate number on. Um, but if you see that there's more than one, boom, right away, you know it's skeletal, no more questions required, mark it down and move on. But if you see that there's only one muscle, or there's only one nucleus, sorry, per cell, then you need to decide between smooth and cardiac in which case I would recommend looking for any branches in the cell. So cardiac muscle, unlike smooth and skeletal, branches. It almost looks like a chromosome diagram to me where they've got kind of two feet at the top and two feet at the bottom and they connect to each other. And it's not always two, but that's often how they're drawn in um, textbooks at any rate. But they connect to each other and they each cardiac cell, each individual cell, is in contact with approximately 11 different other cardiac cells um, by intercalated discs, which are the connections between cardiac cells. And those feature gap junctions, um, which, are, um, which are a type of channel protein that allows for a low resistance pathway of conduction through the heart. 
So each of these cells is connected to 11 others. And when the action potential, right, we talked about muscle cells use action potentials to contract. So when the action potential is reached and that cell fires, um, it's the action potential is going to um, go down across the membrane. And when it reaches the point where it's connected to other cells, these gap junctions will allow for um, some ions to flow through. So it's essentially one action potential triggers all the other cells in the heart, and that's how we get synchronous heartbeats. And, you know, you have all of your heart's beating in or all of your heart cells beating in concert with one another due to these gap junctions um so and then the next thing about cardiac muscle cells it's striated striations look pretty much just like the um skeletal muscle so once again if you're stuck between skeletal and cardiac look for number of nucleuses if there's no dice there, try and see which ones branch and which ones are continuous and cylindrical. Um, the ones that are branching, those will be your cardiac, your cardiac muscle cells. So there is your quick and dirty overview of, car of cardiac, smooth, and skeletal muscle. Um, and we will be going over neural tissue next and don't worry i will be explaining in depth how action potentials in both muscle and neural context function um, and we'll also do another episode here soon where we get into the nitty-gritty of how muscle contraction occurs and action potentials and actin and myosin and all of those very very fun things um and we'll try and get that out to you before um, before this first unit test. So happy studying everybody and um, get pumped on some muscle fizz. Thanks for listening to this episode and bearing with me through the advertisements. If you're interested in listening to more episodes, check me out on Spotify, Anchor, or wherever else you listen to your podcasts. I have a bunch of episodes um, on different topics from histology topics to um, broader organ systems and that kind of thing. I look forward to hearing from you in the future. If you have any questions, comments, uh, corrections, anything like that, please feel free to shoot me an email, which is listed wherever you're listening to your podcast, um, or submit a voice message on the Anchor app. Thank you guys for listening. Have a good one.